Friends, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are here with us this morning. You have risen from the dead. You are hidden from our sight behind a very thin veil of reality. We ask that you would pull back that veil for a little bit now as we gather together in your name and that you would speak to us, open our ears, open our eyes, help us to perceive what it is that you want us to know today. And we ask that you would do this in your holy, precious, glorious, beautiful name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, friends. Today we celebrate the final movement of Jesus' earthly ministry, his ascension into heaven. In Acts chapter 1, we read how Jesus, after he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days, and he gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive, and then he taught them about the kingdom of God, told them to wait in Jerusalem until they had received the Holy Spirit, who would then empower them to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, after his, this final teaching, Jesus was taken up into heaven a cloud hid him from their sight. And then as we continue to read in Acts and then the rest of the New Testament, the authors describe the ascended Jesus as seated at the right hand of the Father. We just said it a minute ago in the Creed. It's all over the place in the New Testament if you start looking for it. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. There are a couple things I want to emphasize about the ascension of Jesus that I believe will not only help us understand who Jesus is better, but it will help us see ourselves in relationship to him. So let me just make three observations this morning. Observation number one, Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended bodily. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, we just read, Luke explains how Jesus showed himself to his disciples and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. If we go back and read in the resurrection story in Luke's gospel, we, we see that some of these proofs were, were that Jesus invited his disciples to touch him, to touch his hands and his feet, and to see that he wasn't a ghost. And then Jesus asked them for food, and so they gave him broiled fish to eat. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven as a human being with a physical body means that God and man are now united together, not just for 33 years, but for all of eternity. This is a profound mystery. It's a profoundly important fact. What happened to Jesus is where the story's going. When we read the Old Testament stories with the bodily ascension in mind, we can actually see how Jesus is restoring what was lost. He's moving the story along towards fulfillment. Jesus is the new Adam, returning to an even greater Eden. Jesus is the new Moses, entering into the true promised land. Jesus is the offspring of David, taking the throne of God's eternal kingdom. 
He's our, our great high priest passing through the curtain into the real holiest of holies, heaven itself. Jesus redeems the story. If we let him, he'll redeem our story. No matter how painful or how sad, no matter how lost or alone we feel, the fact that he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven bodily affirms the goodness of creation and the sacredness of our bodies. Because Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven bodily, it means that we will too. Theologian Kevin DeYoung put it like this. He said, Christ's flesh in heaven is a guarantee that ours will be there someday too. Our hope is not in eternity as disembodied souls, but real, resurrected, material human beings in God's presence forever. Christ's body is the first one there, but it's not the last. This is why the Apostle Paul encourages us in many different parts of Scripture, but particularly in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is the source of eternal life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The bodily resurrection and ascension of Jesus means that our present, visible, physical dimension of life has been united together with the eternal, invisible, never-ending life that Jesus is currently living. And it is in light of this hope that we are invited to see ourselves and live every moment of every day. Observation number two, the ascended Jesus is hidden by a cloud. It's very, very interesting, this idea of cloud. Luke tells us that Jesus was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Now, I don't think that we are meant to read this as Jesus traveled on a cloud, like into outer space kind of a thing. The biblical cosmology divided the world into three parts. Heaven is up, where God reigns and rules as king. The earth is all around us. And then below, down, is Sheol, which is the place of the dead. Jesus going up is Luke's way of saying, Jesus is moving towards heaven. And he ascended on a cloud. Whenever we hear cloud in the Bible, it's a reference to God's presence. The cloud of God's presence descended on Mount Sinai when Moses met with God in the tent of meeting, and again when the tabernacle was built, and again when Solomon completed the temple, and again we see it in the New Testament when Jesus was transfigured. Jesus ascending into heaven on a cloud is Luke's way of saying Jesus has now entered into the fullness of God's presence. The whole purpose of the cloud of God's presence is to both conceal and reveal. The cloud of ascension conceals. Jesus is hidden from our sight. We cannot currently see his face or hear his voice or touch his skin like the first disciples could. 
The ascension reminds us of the absence of our Lord. But the cloud of ascension also reveals. As the disciples were watching Jesus disappear from their sight, two angels appear with an announcement. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you saw him leave. In other words, you're going to see him again. Jesus will return the same way that he left. He ascended into the glory of God, and he will come again in glory. When he returns, we will see him face to face. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. All sin, evil, and death itself will be completely removed from our experience. And together with all the saints, we will be changed and able to exist in the fullness of God's presence without spontaneously combusting because of God's power and his radiance and his beauty. The cloud of ascension will eventually become the cloud of descension. Jesus will return the same way that he left. What is concealed will someday be revealed. The implication is for us to go on believing and trusting and praying even when our senses are clouded and we don't understand what God is doing or we can't feel his presence. In the 14th century spiritual classic, The Cloud of Unknowing, the author explains how a sense of God's absence and our longing to reconnect with God can often be God's way of purging our affections and our passions, that we might delight in him and enter into a richer, more full communion with him. When God, when, when you feel like God is absent, reflect on how you're living. Perhaps there's something that needs to change there. But regardless of how you feel, keep seeking him through scripture. Keep meeting together with other believers in worship. Keep coming to the table and receiving the sacrament of Holy Communion. We are learning to live by faith. And as we persevere, Jesus will make himself known to you in a way that you can uniquely understand. Observation number three. The ascended Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. God the Father is king. The one who sits at the right hand of a king is the one appointed to exercise the king's authority. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The Father has given all authority to his Son to reign and rule heaven and earth as our high priest. It was the role of the high priest to represent God before humanity and humanity before God. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter into, into the holiest of holies to offer sacrifices to God for the forgiveness of sins so that God's presence would be experienced by God's people. That was the whole point of the sacrifice. It was to, so that people could enter into God's presence and pray. The problem is that this had to happen every year. But what Jesus did on the cross was permanent. And now, as the author of Hebrews tells us, Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him. 
because he always lives to intercede for them. On the cross, Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He died in our place. He died so that everything preventing us from knowing the Father would be completely removed. It's a finished work. But intercession is Jesus' ongoing work. The cross is the first state of Jesus' priesthood. Now that his work on the cross is finished, Jesus continues to work by interceding for us. To intercede is to assist someone in need. Jesus has been exalted to the highest place. He's been given the name that's above every other name. He's Lord and King. And the way he exercises his authority, the way he rules and reigns heaven and earth, is by helping people in need. His kingdom is a kingdom of love and mercy. He has come to heal us and to lead us into wholeness integrated within ourselves so that we can love God with all of our parts, our body, our, our hearts, our minds, our soul, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. He's come to help us see. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul asks our Heavenly Father to enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we might see and know three things. The hope of our calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and God's power available to all who believe. Paul goes on to speak about this power in reference to the resurrection, ascension, and the life of the church. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. This power is in accordance with the working of his strength, which he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and a power and authority. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The resurrection, the ascension, and the life of the church, they all belong together. God has raised Jesus from the dead, gave him power over every other power, and Paul tells us that God has done all of this so that Jesus would be head over everything for the church. John Stott put it like this, Jesus, the head, fills the body with powers of movement and perception and thereby inspires the whole body with life and direction. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his Father's right hand is the same power that descended upon the church on the day of Pentecost, and it's the same power that is at work in each of us who believe. What does God empower us to do? Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses, my witnesses, in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's a promise. You will be my witnesses. To bear witness is to experience Jesus. It's to see him. It's to know him. It's to see what he's doing. It's to participate in what he's doing. And then it's to share what he's doing and what we see him doing with other people. This is the essence of evangelism. Seeing Jesus and then sharing what he's doing with other people. It's a gift from the Spirit. Evangelism is simply sharing what the Spirit reveals to us of Jesus with others. If you come to the retreat in two weeks, June 2nd to the 4th, we're going to talk more about this and we're going to explore in practical ways how we can bear witness to Jesus in our lives. 
I invite you to sign up. Friend, yeah. <laughs> Friends, Jesus has ascended in, into heaven bodily. He is hidden from our eyes, yet he makes himself known. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, helping those in need and opening the eyes of our hearts that we might see what he has done and what he will do and what he's doing right now. May we have eyes to see and may we find power and courage to share what he reveals to us with those people in our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for speaking to us through your word. We thank you for the power of your word, that it, it has the ability to make happen what you speak. Won't you do in us what only you can do? Open the eyes of our hearts. We ask for the gift of faith that we might trust you and believe you and see what it is that you're doing in our lives and in the lives of those people around us. And Lord, empower us with your boldness, with your love, with your mercy, with your grace, with all of the gifts of your spirit to share what you give us with others. And we ask that you would do this in your holy name. Amen.